0: Well, again, we just want to welcome you. Glad that you're here. And again, if you are a guest this morning, just hope you're feeling at home and just enjoy, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's service today. Also, I want to welcome our online audience. I want to say thanks for joining us online, and particularly our friends from uh, uh, Arizona today, who I've already heard from. Glad that you guys are here. Give you a shout out. Uh, we love you too. Glad that you're joining us this morning. Uh, Lee, throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's Connie uh, Connie Mangis. Um, two weeks ago, Connie was on her way uh, in Denver to the airport. To pick up her husband. Her husband was already there waiting on her and she was running behind and she was on the Pena Boulevard in Denver, um, which heads out to the airport and traffic backed up. And she goes, oh man, now I'm going to be late, late, late. And uh, she was getting frustrated and she decided to pull out her phone, go on Google Maps and ask for an alternative route which it gave her. So she got off uh, Pena Boulevard and turned onto a, a street and turned onto to another street and it told her to turn on to yet another street. And here's where she ended up. Throw that next picture up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it turned on this uh, pavement road, became a gravel road, which became a dirt road. And uh, unbeknownst to uh, Connie, it actually wasn't even a public road. It was a, a private road but she said as she looked up she thought to herself this can't be right but there were like dozens of cars ahead of her all heading the same direction for the airport and so she thought well if that many people are on that road it must be right so she continued on and after that road became dirt it was also because of all the flooding that the rain and stuff they had throw that next picture up car started sliding in the mud and got stuck throw that next picture up there were Nearly 100 cars stuck in the mud on this private road, and they couldn't—they couldn't get out. Now, fortunately for Connie, she's actually one shot that picture. She had a, an all-wheel drive vehicle, and she said that she ended up going off-road and ended up tearing up a fender well and all this kind of stuff. wheel well, and uh, she's talking about how she finally did ended up making it to the airport. But it wasn't, it wasn't without a lot of problem and, 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 and issues along the way. Now, how many of you have ever followed MapQuest or, or Google Maps and they take you to the wrong place? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. Hear my heart. Just because Google says it's so, that doesn't mean it's so. And sometimes it's not the right way no matter what it says. Even, even if 100 people... Are all going that way, it still doesn't make that the right road. Amen? Now, I want to talk about that today because we're in this series talking about um, cliches, half truths, and other lies we believe. And today, I, I want to talk about a cliche we sometimes hear that's just not true. And that's the cliche all roads lead to heaven. You know, we live, um, we live in a time where um, it's uh, not socially acceptable to offend other people. And so you know, there's a lot of tension right now about, you know, you don't have a right to tell me what's true or what's not true. And, and I get all of that. But when we talk about the fact that all roads lead to heaven, um, God doesn't say that in his Word. Um, If you accept the Bible as the authoritative word of God, and if you accept Jesus Christ as who he claims to be, he makes it really clear which way to heaven. Throw that passage of scripture up on the screen for me. Let's read it out loud together, church. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, when you use the word, when you use the name Jesus, um, a lot of people accept, you know, Jesus as a historical figure. And some people will say, you know, he was a great teacher. Uh, Some will say he was even a prophet. But Jesus didn't claim to be just a teacher or a prophet. He claimed to be God in the flesh. And if Jesus Christ was, in fact, who he claimed to be, then he was making it very clear which is the road that gets to heaven. And that's the road that goes through him. In fact, throw that next passage up on the screen for me, would you please? Uh, The disciples believed that. This is what uh, Peter said in Acts 4. Read it with me. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be safe. Now, I, I know sometimes when we, we hear stuff like this, you know, uh, just because of uh, of our of our cultural wiring now, it's like, wow, that just, that feels really narrow, you know, and, and that just, that just feels like, you know, if I just, you know, I, I know there's a God out there, so shouldn't I be able to just kind of choose whatever path that, that I want? Well, again, just like the people going to the Denver airport, you can choose whatever road you want. You have that power, but that road may not take you where you want to go. Come on, it's just us. How many of you have ever been on a road before driving and you were sure it was the right road and it turned out to be the wrong road? Yeah, I, I know there's not many men. Well, that really will admit that, but, but, but it happens. to. Us. And in the same way, like, you see, sometimes people will say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Well, it does matter. The people that were on that mud road outside of the Denver airport, they really, really believed that that was the right road. But no matter how much they believed it, it still didn't make that road the way there. Does this make sense to you? That's why I love when I was writing this last week, I thought about the verse from Proverbs. So that up on the screen, read it with me. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, look at me for a second. Just make eye contact. Here's what I want you to know. God loved you so much. He loved me so much that he wanted us to know the way. And the Bible says, for God so loved this world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but could have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I just want you to hear my heart this morning. If you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, If you've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life and made a commitment to follow him as such, whatever road you're on, it's the wrong road. And God has a road for you, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Now, I tried to kind of step back for a second this week and ask myself the question, why would God choose to make Jesus the way? It just kind of helped me get inside the mind of God for a second and say, what, what purpose might there be behind that? Now, that's what I want to walk you through. You ready? If you want to take your sermon outline out of your worship folder, you can track along with me or you can doodle to keep yourself awake. But let, me, let, me, let me talk to you this morning about a couple things that I think are just really good thoughts and, and this may help you and this may actually help you in conversations with other people that you have uh, that maybe are far from God that are still trying to figure this Jesus thing out. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. God made Jesus the way, believe it or not, so that coming back to him would be possible. He made Jesus the way so that coming back to him would be possible. Well, this hit me like a ton of bricks when I thought, throw that passage from Romans up on the screen for me. Romans 5, 6, Paul says, when we were utterly, what's that next word? Helpless. helpless. Circle that word on your outline. When we were utterly helpless, read it with me, Christ came at just the right time and died for us Sinners. Oh, this is good. When I was, when I was pondering this, the story came back to me. Some of you will remember this from a year ago. Throw this picture up on the screen for me. Um, some of you will remember last year, actually, during this week, um, what the wild boar soccer team in Thailand. Uh, boys soccer team, 11 to 16-year-olds um, with their 25-year-old coach were hiking uh, in Thailand. And they decided to uh, go into a cave on June 23rd. They never came out. And um, when they came up missing at the end of the day, they sent out search parties. And as they began to realize that they had gone into this cave, their hearts became fearful because the monsoon uh, had come in and the rains had begun to flood that cave. And they knew that they could be trapped in there, but they had no idea where in this humongous cave they might be. Um, What began to happen? Throw that next picture up on the screen. If you can see what happened where the entrance where the boys went in, they were down in the cave when the water started coming in and they started trying to get away from the water. And so they began to run further and further. They ended up at the far left, two and a half miles into that cave. And the water began to fill in those gaps. You can see those different places, that little narrow flooded passage right there. That water was 16 feet deep. And these boys, and they had no way out. They were, they were trapped in the very back uh, of, this, of this cave. Um, and for a week, they couldn't find them. And I think it was on July 2nd, uh, which would have been like, what, nine days or so after they came up missing, that they actually found them. Throw so that next picture up on the screen. They found the boys um, the, uh, on this ledge, um, kind of getting up. They were out of the water, they were back there, they were all still alive. But because the water had sealed the entrance off, they were beginning to get low on oxygen. They were running out on water. They had no, you know, very little there. And so they began to employ divers to come. They literally had hundreds of people working this, and they were beginning to take oxygen tanks back to the boys to breathe. They were taking uh, water back to, to, to give the boys liquid. Um, and they worked on this, and, and act, the boys actually ended up being in there for 15 days, 15 days. If you can man, throw that next picture up on the screen. What they actually had to do... But they sent, these, they sent these divers back in there, and one at a time, they would, have a, they would tie a rope to a boy, and they would tie it to a diver in front of them, and they would tie it to the diver behind them, and they would put an oxygen mask on the kid, and they would take them through very carefully, down through these passages and out. It took hours to do each one. It took them, after they finally started this, on July 6th, they started the rescue operation. It took three days to get those 13 out of there. Throw that next picture up on the screen. Thankfully, all 13 survived. That's them recuperating in the hospital, and they have a picture. The picture that they're holding is a uh, Thailand, um, a Thai uh, Navy SEAL who actually lost his life during that rescue operation trying to save those kids. Now, here, here's what I want you to understand. These kids were stuck two and a half miles inside of a cave. There was absolutely no way they could get out. They were not going to survive. No matter how much they wished they hadn't gone there, no matter how sorry they might have been for going into the cave to begin with, no matter what they would have done, they had no way out. They were totally at the mercy of those who would come to rescue them. Does that make sense to you? And it's the same with us. See, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when the Bible says all, how many of you think that might mean you? And if all have sinned, we have no way to forgive ourselves. We have no way to make ourselves right before God. We have no way to get into right standing with him. We have no way to erase the sin or to put his spirit in our life. We are totally dependent upon the mercy of God to come into the cave where we are to forgive our sins and make us right. Does this make sense? It's called grace. I love it. Throw that verse up on the screen for me. Read it with me, church. God saved you. By his grace, when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Here's The, the bad news is this. If you're a human being, you're a sinner far from God. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, you're, you're, you're far from God. But here's the good news. God who has loved us so much, he has come to where we are, and he has made us, who were helpless, savable by his grace. Look at me. Don't miss this. I don't care who you are, where you've been, or how long you've been there. God's grace can forgive you. He can reach into the deepest, darkest caves of life, and he can snatch us out. Amen? Why did God make Jesus the way? Well, that was the only possible way back. Let me give you another reason why I thought God sent Jesus. God made Jesus the way to make it clear, to make it clear. How are we to be right before God? You ever thought about that? You know, it's, it's so interesting. Um, the Bible talks about the fact that God put eternity in our hearts. That means that um, from the time we're born, there's, there's a sense along the way that there's something else out there. We don't know what that something is, but there's something out there. In fact, you can go anywhere in the world to any culture, any place, and, and every culture anywhere, no matter how remote or removed from civilization, there is some sense of worship that they participated because there's just this awareness that God's out there. But who is this God? What is this God? I mean, there are so many different uh, philosophies and religions out there. It's really interesting. Like the Hindu religion has 13 million gods alone. It's like, well, which one is the right one? Well, God didn't want to leave it to chance. When Christ came, it wasn't to be exclusive and make everybody else wrong. It was to be clear about this is the way. This is the way. He came to just make it clear for us. I love throw that passage up on the screen. Romans 3.22, read it with me. Paul said, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. God didn't want you to be confused about how to come back to him. So he made it clear through Jesus Christ. I love when, when Paul was uh, preaching in Athens, I, I love uh, how he addressed the community there. I'll throw that up on the screen. So Paul standing before the council addressed them as follows. He said, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and one of your, and one of your altars had the inscription on it to an unknown God. I love this. They wanted to be sure that they covered all the gods that might be out there. And so just in case they missed one, they put this shrine that said, to that unknown God that maybe we, we don't know about. And I love it how Paul jumped on it. He said, this God, this unknown God whom you worship without knowing, this is the one I'm telling you about. God came as Jesus Christ so that the unknown God would be made known. And he wanted it to be clear to you. God made Jesus the way, this one hurts a little bit, but he made Jesus the way that so we would have a model as well as a means. God made Jesus the way so that we would have a model as well as a means. <laughs> okay, this is time for group therapy. Everybody repeat out loud after me. God wants me to be born again. God also wants me to grow up. Put <laughs> an elbow in the person beside you. <laughs> Let's do it again. God wants me to be born again. God also wants me to be, grow up. Now, I, I want you to let that sink in because when we talk about Jesus being the way, here's what I want you to understand it's not just about escaping hell and getting to heaven. God came to make you into the fullness of his image. Can we be honest? Um, sometimes we really don't grow up, do we? <laughs> I, I love, some of you may have seen this, um, in Florida, everything happens in Florida, it's always funny. But in, in Florida, a couple months ago, when school was still in session, uh, the police got a call because a fight had broken out at a uh, school bus stop Um and they thought it was a little surprising as they were going that way because it was it's, the bus stop was a, a bus stop for elementary kids, and they thought, you know, gosh, how, how big of a fight could it be? But when they got there, sure enough, you know, one one person had taken a mug and busted it over the head of another. But it wasn't the kids; it was two mothers who were fighting. And <laughs> what was really interesting is they were getting they had gotten in an argument about parenting. And one was declaring they were a better parent than the other by smashing a mug over over the other one's head. (laughs) And I'm reading this thinking, you know, what was interesting, they even said in there that the kids were so traumatized they were offering free counseling to these kids. And I'm thinking, who's the parent here, you know? Well, that's the way it is sometimes. Sometimes people just don't grow up. And sometimes, can we be honest? Sometimes we approach this relationship with God as if, you know, really all I want to do, I just want to kind of want to escape hell or or I just want to know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But you need to understand that God's plans are so much bigger than that. God doesn't just want you to get to heaven. God wants to make you the best version of yourself right here on earth. I, I love what, again, Paul said to the Ephesian church. Throw that up on the screen. He says, follow God's example in everything you do as a much-loved child imitates his father. I love that word imitate that they translate there. It's a Greek word that means to mime. I just love that because it's like if God moves his hand, I move my hand. It's kind of like whatever God does, this is what he wants you to do. Read an underlined part out loud with me. Be full of love for others following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself to God as your sacrifice to take away your sins. I had a, uh, had an opportunity this week, um, to pray with a young man who uh, had been away from the Lord for a good while and was just coming back. And we had a great conversation, had a great prayer. And, and um, he said he was getting his Bible out for the first time in a long time. And he said, Steve, where, where should I read? And I said, read the Gospels. Spend the next few months reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for two reasons. One, I want you to hear in from his own words how much Jesus loves you and how great his grace is for you. I said, but secondly, I want you to look at how Jesus acted, how Jesus responded, how he spoke to people, how he dealt with people, because he is not just our means of salvation. He's our model to live by. Amen? He's our model. Let me give you one more. God made Jesus the way to show us the depth of his love. God made Jesus the way to show us the depth of his love. Everybody look at me for a second. You uh, got to hear my heart. God's not mad at you. God's not angry with you. God loves you. And he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. Uh, Two weeks ago, um, there was... uh, a story in the news that um, was was both very sad but also very, um, very heart-lifting. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. Um, that's Madison Chaps. Madison was with a group of friends uh, over in Missouri, and they were um, on a float trip uh, down there at the Missouri River, and they were uh, just having a good time, but they, they got too close to... Um, where the dam was and they got caught in a current and it flipped them over and uh, all of the friends that were with Madison they were able to get a hold of a log and, and able to make their way out but Madison was was not and she couldn't fight the current and she started going under she was drowning and then this young man throw that picture up on the screen that's Jacob Farley Jacob was a 26-year-old. He was with another group of friends uh, who were also floating on the river, and he saw Madison floundering in the water and jumped in. He swam over to where she was, and for the next 30 minutes... Uh, Jacob kept holding on to Madison, and whenever she would get tired, she would slide down. He would push her up and uh, just giving her, trying to help help her to hold on to something so that she could uh, stay above the water. For 30 minutes, he did that until the rescue uh, fighters got there, and uh, they were able to get a rope to Madison, and they were able to pull her out. Then when they turned to throw the rope back to Jacob, he was gone. In the interview that they did with Madison, she said, you know, Jacob was, he was more than a hero. He didn't know me. He gave his life to save a stranger. The pretty amazing thing. That's an amazing story but I can tell you one even more amazing. Throw that passage up on the screen. Paul said, now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Read it with me. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Wow, we were still sinners. You know what's amazing? We weren't strangers to God when he died for us. He knew every horrible, awful thing that I've ever done. He knew every dark secret that we've never told anyone else. While we were at our worst, God came from heaven to earth to die in our place. That's how much... He loved us. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. And he loves you. In fact, throw that slide up on the screen. How much does he love you? He loves you that much. I'm going to ask our ushers if they would go ahead and and get ready to wait on us. And in just a moment, we're going to um, receive communion together. Uh, Here at Chartel, we have open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of our church to participate. It's open to everyone who would like to receive it. Uh, As they pass the cups out in just a moment, the cups are stacked in two. The top cup will have your juice. The bottom cup will have your bread in it. Be sure you pull two out. For the next few moments, I just want you to let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you. Um, Chuck's going to lead us in a song, and it's going to talk about this wonderful, merciful Savior that we have. And this morning, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never dedicated your life to Him, I want to invite you during these next few moments to a very simple prayer of faith to say, Lord Jesus, would you be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? I invite you to make a commitment to follow him. And if you've prayed that prayer, would you just pray a prayer of thanks that says, Lord, thank you for what you have done for me. Help me just to continue to grow, to reflect who you are in my life. Let me be a good imitator of you. Whatever your prayer needs to be during these next few moments, I want you to just have this moment with God. We're going to dispense the elements and uh, if you would just hold them until everyone's been served and then I'll pray a prayer at the end and we'll receive the communion elements together. Lean into the Lord during these next few moments of worship. Chuck, ushers, go ahead.
1: Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls. counselor, comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly hunger for. Almighty infinite Father For. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Would you pray with me?
0: Our Father, as we uh, come before you today, uh, we just want to confess that, Lord, we're tempted. Uh, a lot along the way of life to just choose whatever path we think is best. And sometimes like the group in Denver, we find ourselves stuck in places wondering how in the world we got there. How thankful we are, Lord, that you didn't leave it to chance. How thankful we are that you didn't leave it for us to find our own ways home. How thankful we are this morning, Lord, that what when we were utterly helpless and had no ability to reach to you, that you reached all the way to us. Lord God, we hold in our hands this morning the the evidence of your love, this little wafer that represents a body that was broken, this juice that represents your blood that was spilled. For you so loved us that you sent your one and only Son. And Father, I pray today for each and every person that may be just for the very first time in their life, opening their heart to you to let you be their Savior, the director of their life, and are making a commitment today to follow you. Father, would you wrap your arms of grace around them? Would you let your mercy flood over them? Would, would you remind them that when we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Today is the first day of the rest of our lives as we are born again. And Lord, I pray today also that that you would just help us to live that life out. You didn't die just so we could go to heaven. You came that we might live your life here on earth. So fill us to overflowing today. Renew our commitment to be the children of God to imitate you in all of our ways. Help us to be the light of your love to a world that is very much in darkness. Lord, we don't know why you love us like you do, but we are so glad that you do. And it's in your precious name that we're here this morning. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask my uh, prayer partners if they would just go ahead and come and make their way to the front and as we close this morning if you have need uh, to have someone pray with you about whatever is going on in your life uh, one of our prayer partners would be happy to do that. Uh, you feel free, after we close the service, to come and, and uh, they'll be happy to, to pray with you about whatever you may need special prayer for. Uh, don't forget, if you have any special prayer needs you'd like us staff to be praying for, you can put those on your prayer card and hang those on the prayer wall. Uh, we'll be sure to get those up uh, to you as well. I want to remind you as you leave today, um, we have a, today's a historic day in the life of our church. We have a brand new uh, Spanish church that is also meeting here, uh, Central Cristiano uh, in Chartel. And they'll be uh, meeting down at, at the other end of the building beginning at noon. And as you see some of our Hispanic friends that are now joining us here at this location, uh, be sure to give them a good warm welcome and greeting. Let them know that we're so grateful and thankful to have them here as well as we partner together in God's work. If you are new today, hope you'll take that guest card, meet me out by the Welcome Center. We have a special gift I'd like to give you and just our way of saying thanks for coming this morning. I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful week.